Welcome to In Conversation with Kathleen. I'm Kathleen Kettles. I'm a psychotherapist and I love people and their stories. In each episode, I'll be speaking with a guest about what the word success means to them. And at the end of each interview, I'll be discussing the episode with co-creator and editor, Remy. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Kathleen. Today, I'm talking with Faye Vincent, who runs her own photography business, is a third year undergraduate at Aberdeen University and a mum to one. Welcome, Faye. Lovely to see you. Hello. So we're going to crack on and just start off by asking you to tell us where you are today and what your life looks like and what you're up to. Um, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on. As you said in your introduction, I'm um, an undergraduate at Aberdeen University. Obviously a mature student. Um, I didn't go to university uh, when I was younger. And a mum to one, a Liv who is eight years old, soon to be nine. And also I run my own photography business. So that's in its 14th year almost. Um, so yeah, that's really flown by. So as you can imagine, it's um professional juggler mostly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can imagine that, especially when you've got an eight-year-old, nearly nine-year-old. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on at that age, isn't there? So you're based in Scotland as well, aren't you? Yes, I'm um, in Brecon, although I've moved five times or so in the last six years. So that's been a lot, but we're nice and settled now. So uh, I think that's been a big thing. OK, that's good. So tell us then, when I say the word success, what does that mean for you? And that can mean anything across the board. Well, I've been thinking about this, actually. (laughs) Um, It's changed uh, hugely um, since I was younger. I think, you know, in my teenage years and early 20s, you get sucked into the idea that success is is a huge milestone, you know, be it financially, buying your own house, um, you know, being the best at your chosen career or some public acknowledgement, fame, fortune. Um, and I and I wasn't so sure in my 20s and 30s, you know, where my life was going, what direction I had, and was felt like I hadn't grown up. Today, success feels very much on a smaller scale. The the small wins, and not trying to sound glib, but just remembering to put the bin out in the morning to me <laughs> is a huge success because I used to live in kind of a chaotic world where I would all these small things that I would forget to do or I would lose things. I was unorganized and I I could see other people seem to have their lives together. And I couldn't work out why I didn't have my life together, why I was struggling so much. Like I said, missing bin day and then having all this rubbish build up for and And I would be really annoyed. And so today success um, comes in lots of smaller wins mm-hmm. that then amount to, you know, huge personal just satisfaction. And, yeah. and, and it. And maybe it's age as well. I don't know. When I hit my 40s, I really did stop caring so much about other people's um, opinion 
or trying to live up to other people's standards and and that's been a, a big milestone. And I think that's such a good point about the smaller stuff feeling like a great success when you've struggled with that you know being disorganized and then suddenly you you manage to gain tools or ex- just life experience or whatever that gets you into a different state so looking at your other aspects of of your life the university side of things what spurred you on to go to uni um well i've been self employed for like i say 14 years and i would say self employment definitely suits younger people you know with no ties certainly in my line of work where you know, your income is very much up and down uh, through season, uh, weddings, obviously, in the summer. And then you, in the winter, it kind of dies off a wee bit. Um, so in 2018, I can remember having about, I think it was 12 or 13 days where I had absolutely no money. I was waiting on money coming in. I was, you know, invoicing people. And I think there's this thing with self-employment that, People think you're just spending it on, I don't know, shoes or <laughs> whatever. And, you know, really it was beginning to, you know, as Robin Peters pay Paul. And then when the money did come in, it would just be straight back out the door. And you can live like that when you're single. But I think when you have responsibilities as a parent, you know, it really hit home that I would like some stability, a job where I knew what money was coming in and then I could focus more with the photography around jobs I enjoy and taking on additional work rather than having to rely on that profession. And you're in your third year, so you've only got another year after this. You'll be, is it 2025 you'll be finished or 26? Yes, 2025. Um, It feels like a lot longer. With the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I started the journey in 2018 And I was always told that they love mature students. You know, you'll be accepted immediately. Just get your UCAS application in. They'll be falling over themselves because traditionally older students do well. Obviously, they don't have as many um, distractions, you know, and tend Mm -hmm. to get better grades. I that was not the case. <laughs> I can remember on, I had three rejections on my on my birthday because I wanted to go into a science field, and without a higher science, nobody would even consider me for for any of uh, the universities I applied for. So I had to do an access to life science course at Dundee University. So uh, Dundee College, sorry. So adding on another year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm so glad I did it. It's, it's really condensed. It's like your hires in six months and it was intensive, but I don't think I would have been prepared for university without that. Well done doing that when you've got a young a young daughter as well. That must have been full on juggling that. Yeah, it's the commuting, I think, which is huge. I'm right between Dundee and Aberdeen. So everything's an hour, you know, two hours in the car just before your day starts. So. Yeah. And and a lot of them are geared for 19-year-olds that don't have many, many commitments. Um, You know, you don't have to be back for the school run, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was thinking about how I've I've followed you on Facebook for a lot of years and, um, you know, seeing your evolving life really it's been it's been fascinating and are you happy to touch on the fact that you set up a supportive group online? Yes. So it must have been around about three years ago, I started to evaluate my relationship with alcohol. Mostly when I started university, I began to realise how much time 
time was a big factor that I spent, you know, with alcohol. I'm separated from my daughter's father. So when she was away, um, you know, usually on a Wednesday night and then every other weekend, um, it was almost like we were going to drink. You know, it was that our time, our adult time. And um, I'm sure a lot of people do fall into that kind of, oh, the, you know, release almost. And I, I did end up thinking if if I continue wasting, which I consider now it was obviously a waste of time, um, I'm not going to get this degree that I've gone back and worked so hard for. Um, I wanted a first. I still want a first. So fingers crossed. You know, I haven't upset everything and spent all this money and all this effort to not get the goal. And actually, I thought something needs to give here. There are other reasons. I felt, I think, during lockdown, especially when you were a casual drinker or drinker in the house and you start feeling that pull towards, oh, do I have anything in the house? Should I get something? And then I can remember that becoming more uh, of an issue. So like five o'clock, I'd think, oh, do I need a bottle of wine tonight? You know, and there was really nothing to do, nowhere to go, no commitments the next day, no driving. And um, yeah, I made the decision then that I was going to quit drinking. That was two years ago, so just had the two-year anniversary. And I, I am super proud of that. Uh, it, I, I'll not lie, the first three months was was pretty tricky. And I think then the following three months was actually harder because you really need to make a decision if this is a permanent decision. Our whole culture is geared towards alcohol. Um, I, I grew up in a pub. Uh, from from I think I was a month old when when we lived in a pub everything was alcohol was normalized to me you know I can remember my mum joking that they used to put brandy on my gums you know when when I was teething I'd be handed around it was just so normal people drank everyone around me drank and why wouldn't I drink when I got to the age you know we drink for birthdays weddings funerals you know, just because you've had a bad day, because you've had a good day, because you're celebrating something, it's just entwined in everything and it's easily available and and, and almost encouraged. And I think there's definitely um, been a marketing shift towards women in the last 20 years, whereas men used to, you know, men used to be the target of the advertising and now it's very much, you know, wine, gin, wine Wednesday, you know, mummy needs a drink type of thing. It's all, you know, this isn't accidental that that these sort of messages come out. And and it's easy to kind of fall into that. But after I realised that actually this was going to be a permanent thing and I kind of announced it on Facebook, (laughs) you you know, and and it's it's just, um, I think any time you put something so publicly, um, there's some accountability because knowing that you can't really go back you could I could go I you know I know I'm not tied to that decision but it just it just makes it slightly more permanent and I had lots of messages um, from people offline publicly privately who have struggled with alcohol in various um, different ways people that I wouldn't have ever thought on the surface would have any issues 
So I decided to create a private group called Sober AF. <laughs> it's <laughs> deliberately alcohol-free or however else your brain might um, uh, say the word say. Yeah. I didn't but, even think of the alcohol-free bit. <laughs> well, that was, the, <laughs> that was the play on words. So Sober AF or... Oh, yeah, that's great. Um, um, Scotland. I did find out afterwards there, there's another um, group as well, but it... It's very small. I think there's only 40 of us. And, and just a safe space. I think one of the issues I had was I was even scared to join groups on Facebook in case anyone saw that I was looking at being alcohol free. Oh, instantly I thought people would think I was, you know, I had a problem. It's 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 all very much kept quiet. I think families keep these issues quiet. Um, it can affect the whole family and you're keeping secrets for other people, maybe enabling people. There's it's, it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think trying to get this out that you don't have to be sober or an alcoholic or, you know, there's these gray areas in between mm -hmm. that, that cause issues. And, you know, there are high functioning people and, I wanted to show that that these labels that we put on things and the shame that's kind of um, uh, associated with it um, didn't have to be there. You, you, we could have an open dialogue. I could tell my story, and hopefully, you know, people would understand that, that this is quite common. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great. I think that's so good that you've set that up because. Is it, is it women and men? Is it is it open to everybody? Yes, um, I think I think we have a higher percentage of women. I would only presume because women identify more with other women's stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, there are people in the group, and I can see reluctant to post. You know, they don't. But lurkers, I call them. Yeah. And lurking is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, lurking is great, and I lurked for a good year before I actually made the decision to give up. So on other people's groups. <laughs> yeah. Well done, though. It's such a big step to take and to be that front person, you know, saying this is the group I'm setting up and this is because I've been struggling with it. And your post on the on your public, on your own Facebook, personal Facebook page, that's when I messaged you because I was so touched and inspired uh, and moved by what you wrote I thought oh Faye you've got to come on this podcast <laughs> because it was just so great to, to read it and knowing that despite the fact that you're self-employed you have an eight-year-old you're studying full-time um, you know here you are saying yes but there's this other angle that I want to reach out and support people I mean that is fantastic that you created that time to do that so it shows how important it was for you to do so when you were having difficulty, like the 12 to 13 days of no money, when you faced these obstacles, what was the internal dialogue like? How did you keep going and how did you know that, or did you know, whether you were going to get through that? Like I said before, there's been um, this, this internal dialogue for a long time of why can, why am I not more successful? Why can I do this? These, what would be simple things, or it feels like simple things on paper. Why am I struggling so much? There was a, there was, I think, you know, we're our own worst enemies. And, and I have had this conversation with people. I felt like my own worst enemy. I felt like I was the one putting in the roadblocks and, and not 
necessarily financially just you know if I'd have done this sooner why you know maybe I'd have been paid sooner and there's a lot of self-blame that you know I don't think it changes between the hard times um and the good times that there was always a constant dialogue of just not being good enough not having you know I don't want to swear (laughs) not having my stuff together when everybody else seemed to find it so easy like what what was wrong with me that's what I felt like a lot of the time but making the decisions you know realizing there's a problem I I am quite proactive so I I will look into things and I went on the prospects website and thought actually if I want a job that I want which is which is stable maybe education and having a degree is is the way forward um to compete in that sort of job market that's brilliant so you even though you had those real challenges you were able to still overcome that internal dialogue that was so kind of full of self-blame and stuff and think right okay what do I need to do next what's the next move so you had that sort of stamina actually to keep to keep going um so with that then with you looking at the prospects and um, website and recognising that a degree would be a way forward for you, what is your end goal career-wise then with this degree? Oh, <laughs> that's that. <laughs> um, yeah, we're still working on that bit. No, um, I I'd initially looked at forensic science. That was where I was going to go. Um, but it's quite niche and, you know, it, mostly big cities I had to think I also have to think about Liv my daughter am I going to uproot her from our lives and move somewhere where um the job prospects might be better and then COVID hit so I had uh I default I deferred sorry for a year um to get some more perspective to see am I making the right choices and I thought actually what do I enjoy I like being outdoors I like science I like photography I like computing I've done all these things over the years and actually thought what does a good job look like to me so things involving um, geoscience I do have an interest in geology geography things that I actually enjoyed when I was younger but didn't end up pursuing Um, so geoscience seemed like a great choice and also then opened up the doors. We live in northeast Scotland. Obviously, job opportunities so far as oil and gas and, mm-hmm. and renewables and, and the way forward. Um, so I just I just made the decisions. Sometimes you follow your heart. Sometimes you need to, you know, use a bit of smarts. And hopefully it, it opens the door for a range of jobs. My ideal job would be a ranger driving around the countryside, you know, taking samples and things. But um, I think... The, the biggest thing is stability. I just would like some stability. That's lovely. And on that note of stability, would you be happy to share about your adult diagnosis? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, once I gave up drinking, you go through what they call the pink cloud. So for the first three months, everything becomes in focus and better. And you have all this time that you didn't have before you know whether you were feeling rotten and, and no motivation from a hangover or the just the time drinking you know sometimes you're drinking for three or four hours with friends and and 
you know, I ended up cleaning the shed and fitness program and, and all the things that you think you should do. And that was fab. But then three months down the line, I started noticing issues that were still there. So why have I not suddenly magically got all my life together? You know, why am I still struggling? Certainly with things like eating, um, you know, maintaining weight. You know, I tend to roller coaster through overeating or extreme dieting. I had issues with organization. It was quite chaotic. Um, so actually, I rang the giant GP and said, look, you know, I've given up drinking, still have all these issues. And he referred me on to the Tayside eating disorders because of this up and down. <laughs> so this was a new journey. And um, I had three sessions and the lady said to me, have you ever had an adult uh, ADHD diagnosis or testing? I said no (laughs) No. and I came away from that that session and it was like this huge weight had been lifted like I could see clearly obviously I knew what ADHD was probably had been quite dismissive of it in the past um you know that's especially in the 90s that's what the naughty children had Mm -hmm. and and it was very much stigmatized um But this realization that actually maybe it's just not me, maybe I'm, I, it isn't all my fault. Maybe there is something else happening here. And since then, I have been titrated for medication. Um, So that's been a process and a journey as well. But I think more than the medication was just the coping strategies that I've put in place. So having, understanding myself, you know, I I used to do things and not understand why I was doing them, be frustrated. Again, the internal dialogue would tell me that I wasn't good enough, that I was a chaotic mess. And and I was very quick to to be, um, you know, words I would never use for anybody else. But Mm -hmm. you you Mm -hmm. tend to tell yourself you know, how terrible you are. Um, and it's it's just been a bit of a revelation. So between not drinking and, and the ADHD diagnosis, it's been a huge um, two-year self-discovery. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. That's really good. And sometimes, you know, with ADHD, the drinking is a sort of self-medication tool isn't it to kind of calm that chaotic I mean all it does is feed the chaos actually but we think it's going to calm us down (laughs) but it doesn't Um, that's really fascinating thank you for sharing that so honestly Um, so if you were speaking to a friend who you could see was going through you know challenges uh, whether it's financial or through their alcohol consumption or their fluctuating um, disorganized life that's kind of going up and down up and down what words of encouragement would you give to them being seeing that you've been through all of this I think with the with the alcohol and the 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 drinking um the biggest factor I would say is this keeping quiet the 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 feeling like you're the only person that's ever had these issues there are so so many people that struggle in various 
you know, moderations through binge drinking, you know, secretive drinking, um, using it as a coping strategy. I, on the other side, I can see that I would obviously use it to stop the wheels from spinning. My brain was constantly on, you know, spinning around and and not achieving anything, using mm-hmm. alcohol to to kind of stop that process it was almost like a relief for a few hours Mm -hmm. but then you know you are um I've said before you know alcohol is just you know borrowing happiness from tomorrow and then the next day you know everything's worse your anxiety but you know please there are you know people out there that that are going through this there are so many groups lots of families have people that have issues whether it's it's made public or not and just to be aware that you can it's not necessary I never thought I'd be able to go on holiday and not drink you know the thought of that was just beyond (laughs) comprehension how what do you do and I I can remember being abroad and we got to the hotel and you know where this gap would be you know I was quite annoyed I was very annoyed like where is my cocktail what do I do now quite huffy you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering what I was supposed to do yeah and and then you find a new rhythm mm-hmm. you get up early you go you hire a car you explore places abroad that you would never see you know that was a revelation and I would never go back mm-hmm. to you know nights in bars and then you know missing half the day because you feel so awful um, I think this will be so relatable to so many people. And, you know, maybe somebody is sitting, wondering, you know, teetering on the brink of, can I go public and get support for stopping drinking? Can I reach out to friends and family first? But hearing that, it's definitely uh, going to hit a few people hard in a good way you know oh wow this is this this resonates so that's brilliant I love that it's so clear that coming away stepping back from a life where alcohol was playing quite a big role in aspects of your life you were still able to work and have a business and be a great mom and all of that but you could see it was contributing to or not helping some of the chaotic stuff that was happening. Some of that was ADHD, of course, but the alcohol was definitely not not helping you. So that is lovely. So we always like to make sure that people know where to find you, um, you know, whether it's your photography work and your Sober AF, which I love. Now, what if they go to the wrong Sober AF group? But it doesn't matter, though. <laughs> I'm sure it's equally good. <laughs> it's um, Sober AF Scotland. So oh, Sober AF. I, I, I changed the, the ending. So. Um, my photography business is um, FMV Photography. You know, it is a bit of a juggle at the moment between university and work, and I'm always trying to get the balance right. But yeah, I'm, anybody who wants to come and join Sober F is more than welcome. I, I feel like it's always a process with alcohol. You don't decide to give up and then you give up. People often do, say, a month of sobriety, you know, dry January, see the benefits, and then continue on. I think it's quite a big big step to say I'm never going to drink again and and people are reluctant to do that it can be the sober curious we say so if you're sober curious then then um absolutely come come join us 
Thank you so much, Faye. That has been such a joy to speak to you again and to hear all this uh, depth to your story. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, that was such a good conversation. I loved that. I think it painted a, a beautiful picture of what powerful work she does, especially mm-hmm. with yeah, with that group. I just think that's wonderful. And she's also got such wisdom. And I'm sure she'd be embarrassed to hear me say that. <laughs> um, she's obviously got a lot of life experience and she's done a lot of self-reflection, which I think is just so valuable. Mm-hmm. I liked her honesty about things like when she stopped drinking and she went on holiday and she felt a bit angry. It is like that when you don't drink. You know, people are like, why are you not drinking? Why? Well, just have one drink. What's wrong with you? One drink. Well, I don't want to have a drink. Mm. Doesn't agree with me. So whether it's through feeling like you have an issue with alcohol, whatever it is, if somebody says they don't want to drink, they don't want to drink. You're right. You know, I think it's important for people to, where they feel comfortable, talk about the things that are a bit icky about you know how how you feel when you stop drinking or how you feel when you make a change in your life like being angry because it's it's not something that people talk about very much it's you know I think people have some shame over how it makes them feel and how maybe how important it was for them and don't talk about it enough I think I think that's a really good point because when people do the dry January thing for example they say oh I felt better you know, waking up, cleaner head, you know, headspace wasn't so groggy, whatever. And it's all positive, positive. But then it gets to about the 20th and like 10 more days, 10 more days, the countdown's on. Ooh, nearly done, dry January. You think, I'm slightly missing the point, maybe? Not sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's different for everybody. But I think when you stop drinking for, I mean, I, I took alcohol out of my life for seven years. And then bit by bit, I would have more wine or a bit of this but I'm back to not wanting any because I just it doesn't make me feel good. It's a physical thing for me. My stomach hurts, I get bloating, discomfort. I don't like the way it makes my head feel. But here she is talking about the rawness of it, like being a bit resentful, being a bit grumpy, getting angry, a bit huffy, she said, didn't she? And that's right, because you're in a situation often with drinkers who are, you know, looking like they're managing it well, looking like they've got an understanding of how they can control the alcohol, which is sometimes what other people don't feel like they have. So, yeah, I like that. I think that's really important because it's not all great clear heads my skin looks better I'm looking I'm feeling fine that's fine for if you take this time out but if you're something you're wanting to commit to or just bring into your life more and more there will be times when you're blooming grumpy about it good (laughs) you know to have that honesty I mean I think she mentioned the pink cloud didn't she yeah she did I hadn't heard that expression before yeah yeah so the the kind of elation that you feel and and that's that key point when the pink cloud is gone think a lot of people feel disappointed in themselves that they can't feel great forever and and I think you know we've got every right to feel angry because like like Faye said alcohol advertising is targeted particularly at women but also you know the certain times of year where you're kind of almost shamed if you don't want to drink like you said yeah we've got a right to be angry and it's hard to know who to be angry with or what to be angry with I think I spent a lot of time being angry with alcohol advertising. I was collecting, I was very resentful. I collected pictures of billboards outside pubs. Oh, I remember that phase. Wine o'clock, you know, it's gin, you know, mum likes gin thing. It's just, it's really, it's so damaging. It just, yeah, I'm at risk of 
exposing my Puritan um, nature now. <laughs> I think, um, Go on, do it, do it, Remy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, I think it's important to appreciate that not everyone has a problem with alcohol, but I think those that do, do struggle because it is everywhere. And uh, like I said, Faye has obviously done a lot of reflection and I think that's so valuable. It must be great for those people who are in that group yeah. to have someone who's so wise and humble as well. Yes, yes. She really is. She's so kind of... I loved um, it self-deprecating I think yeah and grounded about it she's not put herself on a pedestal Mm -hmm. over any of her of the stuff she's succeeded with you know and she said at the end when we were off uh, the recording that she wished she'd said you know that success to her is also seeing her daughter live have empathy and be really sweet to other people and and do lovely things and she is a lovely mother. You see that playing out on her Facebook presence. It's just she gives live a great life and there's lovely, lovely things happening. They do together and things. So I wanted to also say, though, with regard to success, you know, it's a big deal when I meet clients who feel they've been beaten by difficulties and they can't pull themselves up and move forward. And it's always really hard to sort of get them to understand that there is always another way. There's another way to create opportunity and things like that. And when Faye talked about having 12 12 or 13 days of no money coming in, and then she did that self-blaming of if I'd put the invoices out earlier, the money would have come in. Then she found herself going on being proactive, and that was a word that I highlighted on my notes here, proactively looking for what else she could do to get to the point where she was able to have a steady income because self-employment is not easy, especially when you have family to support. So those that Prospects website where she discovered, oh, I should maybe get a degree and do that. And here she is now. I don't know how old she is, but she did say 40s. So at one point, here she is in her 40s, uh, you know, bringing up Liv, studying, running her own business, knowing that and, and sober and sober now. So she's got that clarity of mind, able to move forward. She has a diagnosis of ADHD. She's trialing out different um, ADHD medication with her, her doctor. So she's taken control back, even when the chips were absolutely down for her. She was able to see that there was something else she could do in order to regain control and a better future for her and her, her daughter. And I think it's also important to reiterate, and I'm sure that Faye would say the same thing, that, you know, even achieving one of those things uh, would be would be success. And, you know, there's she has achieved a lot and is achieving a lot now getting the bins out. I thought that was a really good example. If someone is struggling with their mental health, alcohol or other kind of substance use, then the smaller things are a big achievement. And I think that's really important to remember. So important. We're Mm -hmm. talking about people who are really, you know, doing doing really well. Exactly. And I remember it took me back to (laughs) the Abbas days, (laughs) which always, you know, the guess I mentioned on a few of our podcast episodes. When I was at my lowest, uh, feeling really crap, basically, no money, two little little kids, and just feeling really like a bad mum because I couldn't, seemed to get everything done that I needed to get done. I remember having an absolute meltdown when I'd forgotten to put the milk bottles out for the milkman. There was about, I used to get a bottle of milk a day delivered free because I was on low income and it was delivered to my door. One, oh, and it was two pints. It was two pints a day because I had two children then. So the milk would be delivered and I would get up and the milk would be there. And then 
four or five days went past and all the milk bottles were were cleaned out and sitting in the kitchen, but I kept forgetting to put them out. And my friend came over to see me and I was crying. And you were in primary school, Tina was in nursery and she'd come around to see me and I just couldn't stop crying. And she said, what on earth is wrong with you? And I said, I forgot to put the milk bottles out again for the third day in a row. And, and she said, Kathleen, what is going on? I just fell out of the time control. I just can't do anything. And it was just having something like that say, look, come with me. And she took, I don't know why I felt I had to put the milk bottles out last thing at night. I could have put them out when I, when I remembered in the morning, but I hadn't thought of that. Anyway, I hadn't worked that out yet. I put the milk bottles out. I remember thinking, this is not about the milk bottles. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely not about the milk bottles. It was about so many things in my life at that point that were really challenging and difficult. But it was my friends, my friends who came to see me, the friends who took me out for a walk, the friends who supported me through those toughest times that meant I could get through the other side. And Faye has done that herself. I'm sure she has had friends as well, of course, that have supported along the way. But having the core strength to do something like set up a Facebook page to support other people who are curious about sobriety you're not necessarily making that commitment right this is it for the rest of my life I'm going to be sober but there she is knowing something needs to change and taking that step so again that tells you about the core strength of who she is Mm. which I think is something to for her to be very proud of yeah for sure lovely well thanks for that Remy it was lovely to see you again and to speak to Faye all right until next time thanks for listening to In Conversation with Kathleen I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy making these episodes. In the hope that someone else benefits from listening to the show, please like, subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for listening.